0: Everybody, welcome to My Town Hustle. Today's episode is about gentrification. Stay tuned.
1: Welcome to My Town Hustle, where we take an in depth look at the people, policies, and processes that make small towns work. Focusing on trends in urbanism and creative economies, My Town Hustle explores the ideas that make our community special. So sit back and enjoy the show.
0: All right. This is a podcast. Yeah. Back in the saddle. We back. Wow. Did um, did we we're back hear, at it.
1: Obama! it? Wow. Thank you. Did <laughs> can't you hear miss an, a
0: beat? Can't. I've just now picked up in that song, in that intro. Yeah. We got a squat up in here. Is a squat like a, like a, we got a table? Like, I'm
1: thinking it's squad. A squ- a squad. A squad. I, okay. I think squad is the more likely word. Okay.
2: All right. Well, look. Maybe they squat.
1: I don't know. Maybe the sailor squatting out there. I don't know. I don't know. Sailor, don't know. hit us up. Let us know, dude. I don't know. Yeah.
2: I <laughs> didn't know that was. A le- I guess I would need to pay more attention. Well, I honestly, <laughs>
0: when I heard it, I was like, I'm, I must be getting old. That like I don't understand what a squat is, but <laughs> yeah. squad, I definitely get. I think a yes. squad. I'm a go okay. with squad. Yeah, that makes. Sense. All right. Well, none of that revolves around gentrification. So, yeah. um, I am your host, Jared Perry. We are back at it after a little hiatus. I am joined, as always. By Sam Tootin. Oh, what's going on? And the man, the myth, the legend, all things government, Mr. Brett Olfen.
1: Hey, everybody. Hey, hey everybody. You seek yeah, nice. Yeah. Ah, I yes. never left.
2: Back with the sound pads.
0: So, today we're going to be talking about gentrification. There's certainly a couple of arguments on either side of any topic that we would have. This one being a little more prevalent, I think... Um, major urban areas, but I think we're gonna dive into why that might be applicable or might not be applicable into local communities like ours. Yeah. So if you could I'm not gonna say paint me a backdrop, I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> is this the time for the ten thousand foot view. Yeah. <laughs> I would like a ten thousand foot view of what the topic is yep. so that the listener can understand, you know, why we may be talking about it right now.
1: Yeah. Can I can I read a definition? I found a good definition. Do I like it. It. Good. Do it. So this is from uh, the APA chapter in Northern California, right? And this is a definition that I found uh, from their website and it says, "Quote: The study defines gentrification as occurring when an influx of investment and changes to the built environment leads to rising home values, family incomes, and educational levels of residents." That often leads to minorities being pushed out of their longtime neighborhoods, which the study defines as cultural displacement, as gentrifiers replace the incumbent residents. End quote.
0: Boom. Boom.
1: So that's the definition, uh, a general definition from a study uh, produced by the APA in Northern
2: California. Yes. Yes.
0: And I think it's, so what would you call like the first half of that? Because this becomes a definition question. The first half, like the actual thing, right, is a, a neighborhood being changed from a low-income community to a high-income community, essentially is the definition. The back half of that, air quote, definition is a consequence, okay. not necessarily a definition. Okay. Yes. So, with that tension now... I'm driving at it here, Yeah. right? It's morphed into this this conversation surrounding our our communities, right? Um, do you have anything you want to say on a like a, a national thing, or yeah. could we dive right into no, local? No, and I'm,
1: I'm I mean I'm just going to start out with kind of my reaction to what you're saying. In my opinion, is really that I would argue that the term gentrification is probably one of the most you know mysterious. In like divisive terms. Mm -hmm. I
0: know people that get offended when you say it. Correct. In community
1: development. But I will also argue, and I think we're going to uncover this here, is that we only really vaguely know what it actually is. Yes. And what I mean is I think we know what the tropes are. Right? So the tropes are like Starbucks, hipsters, dudes in flannel shirts with beards, yeah. Um, not lumberjacks. Yeah. Microbrewers. Right. Microbrewers. Right. Micro yeah. right. yeah. yeah, but, yeah, but my point is, these are like the tropes, right? The memes yeah. of gentrification where, yes, that probably is a symptom and a sign in some places. But by and large, that's not the way it, gentrification, as we're going to talk about it, happens. Yeah. Right. That's So I, I would argue we don't really know what it is because we only know, like, the cartoon version, which is what I've
2: just described to you on which a, is what makes it very hard and it's not an old word you know I mean this really isn't like a new it's it's not uh, what maybe 70s I mean it's just several decades old it's not a it's a it's a byproduct of our ever-changing economy and ever and our ever-changing landscape of our communities mm-hmm. um, really from post-war where this comes from would back.
0: you say it's an American term
1: well actually actually the term gentrification it's from like England yeah and so like the landed gentry would arrive in a community and buy properties. Yeah. And only those that were also in the gentry could afford to buy those properties that were acquired and all that. And mm-hmm. So that's where the gentrification comes from, yes. from the landed part of past cultures.
0: So I asked that question because dissimilarly, we in the United States are, are quick to tear things down, right? And we've talked about that a lot on this yeah. podcast. And you talk about the 70s, like, that was a, a time where we we tore stuff down. That was a time where there was a huge housing boom right, right? Um, even at fifteen to twenty percent interest rate on mortgage. But like that's when those sort of things took off. Yeah, and there was a lot of demolition and there a lot of, of rebuilding. And I to me in my head, I think it's more prevalent in the American society than it is, say, in a non-American society to gentrify something. Because other people don't tear things down like we do sure. as much, right? Yeah. You'd literally be everything would be brownfielding, you know yeah. what I mean? You'd be repurposing an existing thing rather than just leveling city block after city block after city block yeah. and building brand new things.
2: Yeah, well, I think it's important too to know that what you're saying is is really kind of how we put back investment back into our communities. So for the viewer to understand, cities were created, right as your all-in-one resource hub, your center, you know, your settlers come in here cheaply, they're able to make a name for themselves, they're able to find resources, they're able to kind of grow, prosper, do whatever, and then as, even before suburbs, even think of Marietta, how many wealthy people, how many historical homes are outside of our downtown that were owned by very wealthy and very successful, you know, farmers. Same thing for down south in terms of where plantation homes are and and relatively to the city. So, we've continue that spread of moving out and so you're left with the core and your core of people who are still trying to make a name and try to try to do their own so now we're now we're putting emphasis back into the community back into this downtown so naturally that's where this divide creates is all right if we're going to make this prosper we're going to actually put investment in here it really gets down to the term displacement because where are these people are going to go because it all starts with your mm-hmm. your actual city your actual downtown your actual that actual core,
0: yeah. Is there was there anything about density in that definition?
2: Um,
1: not not about density, but Sam, Sam is hitting it right on the money here because a lot of this is driven, especially in urban communities. Uh, you know, traditionally immigration is a big part of this, and the yes. model Sam's describing is. And I apologize because this might be a dated, but again, traditionally is immigrants move to a new city, typically to an inner city area. As they encounter success, they move out into like the first ring, Uh, you know, they move outward in the city. And then once they've achieved, you know, let's say whatever middle class is to that, that, you know, that you're in the suburbs and there's this, and that's, that process is cyclical, right? That's fed by new immigrants or new people moving to a community, starting in the inner city, moving to the next level outside, and then into the suburbs. And what Sam's describing is in the American culture, to your point, Jared, ultimately what happens is the people in the suburbs generate significant wealth and decide to significantly reinvest back in that central core mm-hmm. which this then displaces folks right mm-hmm. and so there's a there's a cycle there's a cycle there and some yeah. folks who don't have the resources to really participate in that cycle become the collateral damage of of that process and that's that's what we're talking about
0: yeah okay cuz in i mean we do a lot of this right in the in the e world we do a lot of um, working in communities that people are reinvesting in mm-hmm. and, but most of it is multifamily housing. Yeah. I mean, I would say there may be some mixed use commercial, but maybe that's a, I mean, that might be a two story masonry platform yeah. and a podium and then houses and townhomes yeah. on top of it. So uh, it, it is interesting um, because yeah. I, in my head, what I've seen real time is, a density in increases. Now, the people that were being air quote displaced, they're not affording those those new townhomes, right? Right. Yeah. So, I think that leads into a good the next segue is the topic of displacement. Where do you want to where do you want people to look at when they think about displacement and how that affects their local community?
1: It's the hardest question. I yeah. mean, that's the hardest thing, and I think this is where there is some discussion about, you know, air quote, gentrification in communities like Marietta, because like many places, we have limited housing stock. And the more, um, we make improvements to that housing stock, the v- naturally the value goes up Yeah, and people that don't own that housing stock, if they're renting, obviously that challenges their economic ability to retain that housing. and And that's, I'm not saying that's happening nefariously. I mean, Jared is somebody, I mean, you own property. I own a house. Mm -hmm. We all own houses. If we decided we wanted to, you know, sell that house or use it as a rental, we would probably invest in it and, you know, try to derive the maximum benefit from that real estate. And I think that's what happens. And that's where I don't think it's always, it's not always this aggressive, intentional displacement. Do you know what I mean? It, It happens through trying to maximize your portfolio of investment. Which com which to somebody who can't afford it or can't participate in that, that yeah. comes off as mean yes. or evil, even though it's not meant. To. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. so that's that's a challenging thing. So the dipl- displacement part is the heart of it, is the hardest part, but it's probably the most evident part of what we witness. Yeah.
2: In gentrification. And and Brett hitting on the head for me. It's, it's it's those that are inside of these areas that are seeing these the, the flux of investment and and. Maybe are you know on the on the, the worst end there of, of maybe rising rental property rising rental costs et cetera. They use this as kind of a guard against what they would consider the greed I think yes. and, and and the investment that is actually getting poured back into there because everything kind of talks about base you know in these particular areas whatever the investment is right you're going to have a cultural potential change depending on, depending on who's moving there and what the uses are right you're really going to change the fabric of potentially that area or that community but it is used really i think as a guard and protectorship of what they have because i think strong towns had, had a great article and it talked about how you know really what's different what's different about you someone else from the outside coming in to invest and and making something of something versus people who actually live within get a new job get a promotion create their own wealth, put money back into their own property, and obviously, you know, change their fabric of what their community actually looks like. And, you know, that, so it happens. Like, it's this battle between we don't just let areas go into dilapidation and blight. You know, you want it to improve it. But the rapidness and I think the quickness of it is what is uh, worrisome, at least for major, major, larger cities. And I said off Mike. like, I don't really think it happens here in Marietta. I actually think it does, but I don't think it just happens at the level and speed that it might happen elsewhere. Oh, it definitely does not. No. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah. And, I, and I think we talked about this the other day, you know, um, I, read, I read a story or maybe there's a, a documentary out there now about, like, Jared Kushner, right, in New York City where yes. he does, like, the intentional aggressive displacement and gentrification. Like, we're buying these tenement apartments we're raising the, you know, the rents are, I don't know, I don't know the numbers. $1,500 a month, guess what? Rent's $6,000 a month now. And guess what happens? Everybody has to leave. Yeah. Great. Now I can remodel this whole building. Mm-hmm. I can make all this high-end luxury living. I got all those poor people out of here, mm-hmm. right? And now I can I can make significantly more money. That's, that's what we're talking about, like, with this intentional, aggressive gentrification yeah. displacement. That's, like, yeah. the worst-case scenario, which I think is a, only... Not
2: only. It's exceedingly rare in our communities. Yeah. But in yeah. places
1: like New York City, Chicago, LA, yes, yeah. that, that is the common thing that happens and it's very visible.
2: And that's on an episode of Dirty Money, which I think is a show on Netflix. I knew yeah. it was something. Yeah. Thank you. That talks about what how that exactly what Brett just described. Come at me, bro. Yeah.
0: <laughs> is, um is that a good segue into said hot take? Sure. Say
1: it. You ready for the hottest take?
0: What? the hottest
1: all the heads bobbing. Yeah. Right. So, uh devil's advocating. Yeah. So, good cuz I have one. <laughs> so, I yeah. could so, all right. I think that um I really love this building. And I think there could be a case that Jared Perry is a gentrifier
2: mm-hmm. for
1: downtown. And 100%. here's what I and here's what I mean. Mm. This building and I know we've talked about it on this podcast a lot. This is a wonderful building. It's an amazing remodel. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's still a beautiful building. It's really cool. Yeah. It was not so when you bought it. Jared's got great pictures of this place was in terrible shape. Yeah. Jared is trying to maximize his investment and in his portfolio in, in this building. But when he did that, that, you know, that puts outward pressure on other people. I think there was a, mm-hmm. somebody renting the first floor for like a hundred dollars a month or something. That was the sales pitch to you or something. Somebody was running the first floor or,
0: yeah, somebody here was renting the floor for. Yeah. for I thought you on?
1: told me that there was somebody that was like renting the retail space on the first floor for yeah. like a hundred dollars a month, and but that was part of their I th- sales.
2: I think they already told you that it was, it was, it was. You know, you could prop. You know, you it were, was an income property. It was already an income property because there was a tenant or somebody already, or maybe someone was on the second floor. No, I don't think they're on the second floor. But Brett's right. I remember you saying something like, like it was pitched to you that, oh, you know, this is going to right as is when you bought it was going to generate you money already because you had a, had a renter or had just had a renter or was sold to you in that condition, it could be rented out. So be that Mm -hmm. as it
1: may, let's just say that's the case and there was somebody here and then Jared comes in and we're going to remodel and that person obviously has to leave. And so, Hey man, that's, that's the, that's the trope version of gentrification. So, I mean, how do you react to that? Yeah, Yeah,
0: sure. So (laughs) that didn't happen here. Um, this building was owned by um, the son of a family whose uh, parents passed away, and it was an old antique store yeah. and had been vacant for, gosh, better part of eight years or something like that. Right. Wow. I'm trying to think of that example where there was an existing tenant. You're thinking of um, PKB. Okay. You're thinking of that building. Okay. Over there. At any rate. Okay. Yes. So um, let's let's do that example. Very similarly. I'll, I'll pretend that that was in this building. So in that example, there was a person who had signed a lease, right, um, for, it was $600 a month for like 3,000 square feet on the second floor okay. of a building. And that came out to roughly like $4 a foot going rate right in that area was about $12 a foot. And um, so how did, how did I handle that? First of all, unfortunately we didn't, we didn't get that building. We did all the legwork and um, somebody else bought it, but not salty. The, <laughs> <laughs> what I did was I went and talked to that tenant and I said, what would you like a brand new office? Cause this." Thing was, that building was dated. Yeah. You know, and told her, I showed her the plans. I showed her exactly what the exterior was going to look like and then what we were going to put on the first floor, which was another ink swell. And she loved it, right? First of all, it was a one person band and 3,000 square feet to manage is, I mean, three quarters of the place didn't have lights on, you know? So, what if you got a brand new office, you know, access to conference rooms, access to printer? You don't have to pay for any of that overhead. So the pitch there was, we get you out of that, down in the same building. You don't have to move, right? And your rate actually, her rent went down because she would have been an Inkswell tenant. So she would have had an additional. She'd have had a, a an office, and a um, what's that called? Like a like a little waiting room, and then all of the other amenities that people would have at Inkswell. So in her instance. Um, she would have her rent would have have went down, but the way I, I pitched it was, you know, she she had the, I don't I don't understand how that works with like the the Kushner, example, no. because, I you're as a developer a person purchasing a piece of property, when you buy something right there's an there's you could buy an asset purchase or you could buy a stock purchase so, in in a building right you're you're buying the corporation like almost or the LLC, like almost all of the time. Because you if you're if you're especially if you're doing it in an area that's underutilized or underserved, because that property, if it's in a business name, they've probably gotten some sort of offset for lower taxes or something like that, dating back to the seventies when people were trying to spur governments were trying to spur investment. Yeah. So you don't want to have a new entity, right? Because you would lose that tax write off. So you're trying to actually buy that corporation and, and keep it and then you got to, you would come in and you would change the use. But they have contracts, right? I can't yeah. I couldn't have just displaced this person. Yeah. I would have had to literally sit and wait on development until her contract expired yeah. or not yeah. renew it, which would took took about three years. I was three years out. So in that situation I had to go in and ask. And fortunately she was a great person and she, you know, would absolutely, you know, wanted a, a nicer place. But
2: yeah, I don't. Well, um... Jared, that that example was just the same thing. They couldn't just force them out, but they were claiming, you know, at least in the show, that activities were occurring, right, or lack of activities were occurring to fix 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 items in the properties. Right, it gets into a whole rental uh, and housing law kind of aspect of this uh, is a whole other episode. But you know, they're claiming loud noises, you know, deliberate things that would drive. Someone to not want to live there, right anymore? Yeah, because of certain conditions. Yeah, I think that would
0: come down to like what your what your moral character. Correct. Um, Correct. That you would you'd want to be be known for. And I again, I can't speak to that because I don't know him or that show. Yes. But um, yeah, you can't just displace like if they've got a a lease agreement and most of I don't know. I got I have to imagine most of those cities, especially like NYC, are going to have some standard, uh, sure. standardized um, lease agreements. But in this case, yeah, we just, we just talked yeah. to her and she was, um, she was on board. And here's, so,
1: here's yeah. the, so here's the sneaky part of it that, you know, doing some additional reading about this as we were kind of leading up was a lot of times. And I think in like the scenario we're describing a property owner or an investor is really trying to get, the highest and best used out of whatever their property is, whatever their investment is. And naturally that investment is going to yield something for that property owner because they can get a higher rent or a higher lease rate or whatever. And again, not through nefarious action, but just through the natural, I mean, that's why you invest in a property, right? Sure. Is to make money. And so naturally, again, in that scenario that- You invest
0: in a property to hide money. So just make sure you get that. Okay. That's right. another podcast. <laughs> 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 note, yeah, <laughs> note. yeah. That's, that's a,
1: that was Jared Perry speaking. If anyone, not Brett Olfen. <laughs> uh, that's a, that's not a,
0: That's not a secret in real estate investment, yeah. uh,
1: but you know, so, and I think, you know, that, that investment and in seeking the return on investment for those that don't have the access or ability to participate or be party to that, or, you know, benefit from, Hey, I want to rent this new office. It's more expensive. Could be due to a number of reasons. It could be due to, racism or anything, you know, anything. Yeah. Um, that's, that's when it becomes problematic because it just, that's when it's like it's happening sneakily and it's happening slowly over time. And that's Mm -hmm. when it's harder to notice, harder to stop. When it's this egregious type of activity. Sure. You, there's, there's zoning laws and things you can do. There's contract law that can protect you. But when you simply have people like, Hey, Sam wants to buy a house over in this particular neighborhood and fix and really fix it up and do a great job, which, maybe will lead to other people buying Mm -hmm. other houses Mm -hmm. that normally wouldn't, you know, that is all well and good. But at the same time for the people that live there that can't compete with the money that Sam might be able to pay for a house or that I might, or you might, that's, Mm -hmm. that's when it kind of is this slow slide. And that's why I'm saying here, it's very hard to define it. And it's hard to identify it. And it's very divisive, but I would, I'm still arguing we don't exactly know what it is. Yes. Until we see it, yes. <laughs> it's one of those things. Yeah, yes. and
0: I, I, I would say that it's it's hard to say. Is it bad or is it good? Right, because no good deed goes unpunished. That's uh, I've heard that, and it's been true in my life. True, every single day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if you could see the look on Jared's but, face, <laughs> you know you think about you think about the example of Sam buying a house in a neighborhood and. This, this is actually a real example. He tried to buy a house in a, in a not-so-great neighborhood with the intention of being you know going in there and fixing it up and being a bright spot for that community. Right. Um, there are several other things that happen that are good when that happens. Yes. Sure. One, people get to see, by example, they need to see somebody taking pride in the things that they do, and sometimes in downtrodden communities or little sects of larger communities, you know, sometimes you forget that because every time you go out and you look and you see, you see people that are doing the exact same things as you. Yeah. I'll give you a great example. When I go, when I go home and my neighbor has the leaf blower out and they're blowing leaves like mm. it instantaneously. If I don't think it in my head, I know when I walk through the door, my wife's going to say, you should probably blow our leaves. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's, it's this mentality that they're taking care of their property. I'm going to take care. I'm going to do my part in being that productive member of society like and and contributing to the overall health and well-being of the community. Yeah. It's it's more it's it's that um I think I think that comes down to a personal level too. So there's like this and the, the devil's advocate part I was going to get to was uh we've talked about zoning a lot on here. Zones. Zones. <laughs> um we've talked about getting rid of um, you know, the ability for having rentals or multifamily homes in the middle of single family homes. Right. And it sounds like in gentrification, the devil's advocate of me would say, it sounds like in gentrification, it's like downtrodden communities are allowed to have what they have and keep what they have and rich people, you know, and I'm air quoting rich. Mm -hmm. Okay. You stay out. But Rich people, and again, I'm air quoting, you have your communities, but open your freaking doors so we can get in. Yeah. So it feels like in that conversation, people are talking out of both sides of their mouth, right? Yeah. And I think obliterating that, right? Putting, you can't, if we're the sum of the five people we're around the most, having people that aren't downtrodden living right next to somebody that is, if they're willing to go do that, like that other person, and a lot of times, in like in our local communities, and this is doesn't happen in the larger scale. That's why I think it. We need to like hone it in on our scale. A lot of these homes are owned by the people living there; they're not rentals. They're a family house that's been passed down to generation, and that's their only asset in life whatsoever. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, in the event gentrification were to happen here, my hope is that they wouldn't. They would be rewarded handsomely for that because their property is becoming infinitely more valuable by the fact that investment is happening around it. Yeah. Yes. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, hopefully they don't get bamboozled and you know yeah. right. swindled, but the idea is hopefully that would be a nice out for them, yes. right? To okay, now we've got this cash that we've never had before. Let's make good decisions with it. Let's, you know, can we find a place we can rent or yeah. put a nice down payment on another nice house that leads me? Yes. That's the latter, I guess. <laughs> yes, and, mm-hmm.
1: sa- and I'm, I'm so glad you said that, Jerry, because Sam and I just had this conversation the other day. So we were working with a client, and we were talking about zoning. And during that conversation, an equally scary term, eminent domain, came up. Mm-hmm. And we basically had to say, we are not talking about eminent domain at all. So eminent domain mm-hmm. is when property is taken but you're compensated for it. And so you're bringing up the great point is that w- when people own an asset and they sell it and they receive the monetary benefit to then upgrade mm-hmm. what they had, that's different. Yeah, What we're talking about here is people that don't have that asset and don't have the ability to control their condition. They yeah. don't have their, the ability for whatever reason yes. to control their, uh, whether it's housing or their business property or whatever. And so they're kind of subject to the whim of or of the market or pe- those owners, that's the, but you're hundred percent right. If you, if you have an asset and you can sell it and use that to acquire another asset, exactly. That's the beautiful part of what we're talking about. But mm-hmm. yeah. I think we're talking about the worst case scenario where you don't have any of those assets or abilities. And so you're subject to somebody else's external, you know, desire. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. hard. And that's, and that's the hard part I think of the dangerous and, and dirty part of what we're talking about in gentrification.
2: Yeah. And if it's on that level of like affordability, you know, the, the lower, you know, to LMI aspect of this would be that they don't have that option. Right. And where does a government, where does planning fall in that realm to protect, right. And observe how much level of affordable housing they need. They need to, because, You have this rise in an area and you do have this theoretical displacement of, Mm -hmm. you know, lower income people. If there's really nowhere for them to go, you know, you have to think about best planning practice of like where you could add some inclusionary zoning, right? Where can you add where you make it a requirement that anything kind of is improved or uh, grown upon, right? You got to have some level of affordable housing or some kind of... Mm -hmm. Rent, right. rent, rent, rental control aspect right. of, of your community and that's a that's a balance right between obviously the private market providing, and the, and yeah, the public
0: it, yeah so you're saying the government their role is not necessarily policing capitalism but providing alternative options mm-hmm. having something at the ready you know and coordinating that with planning if planning yeah. knows and I think we've talked about you know, our communities in general that are, and others that are similar to us, yeah. right? We're more reactionary yeah. than proactive. So if Could, we n- understand or we have an area in planning that we would like to gentrify, right? Yeah, We know that one of the the fallouts from that, right, if we're going to incentivize developers to come in here and do something, yeah, one of the fallouts is displacement. It's yeah. a known. Um, so we need to plan on having some sort of housing development or housing project somewhere. Yeah. Right. That benefits those people greatly for what the main essential needs in life are. Yeah. That that makes total sense. Policing capitalism I think is a that's probably where you lose me and probably the majority of, of people. Um, but I think I think stepping in in that way is saying that's, I believe that is the government's responsibility. I wish it wasn't. Mm -hmm. I wish that, um, I wish there was another portion of our community, uh, that makes up 70% of our population, um, here in the United States that, uh, that did a better job at that. But Right now, it is the government has stepped in and said, "We are the authority. We are the ones who can help you."
2: Well, and you brought it up for me. It's a it is a tough it's a balancing act because you talked about single family, right? The, the you know the rich it, in the single family aspect, we don't want multifamily kind of invading than in that, but we can't we don't want it the other way around when it's when it's flipped and it's it's creating that balance between really building a built environment, creating a built environment, uh, renewing a built environment but obviously having aspects of where everybody kind of falls in line and having that equal balance that creates, that creates a livable space, provides uh, opportunity, provides growth, and provides you know, some, some diversity in what it offers. And I think that just goes back to communities and way before our time and what they did offer, which was abundance of diversity, abundance of different, different aspects um, that we just don't have anymore. So as things move and play around, you're going to have this ping pong match back and forth between, you know, do do the rich go here? Do the poor go here? You know, how do you create that equal balance? And I think, I mean, you do that through best planning practices, but being mindful that this level of displacement, right, is is a is a is a byproduct of gentrification. But there's also good development. There's good aspects sure. of it, and back and really gets back to Brett's point: is there is no real true definition or or explanation but it's so unique it, it, it's either going to be fast it's going to be slow it's going to be rapid but it's always used in terms of fear and scared of a changing you know mm-hmm. community
1: yeah and, and, I, and I think about communities like ours the size of ours we, we get trapped in this unique and not, not unique like we're the only ones but yeah. unique in a way that you know New York City probably doesn't have this because and larger communities don't but we're basically fully developed mm-hmm. we don't have the land or the resources to really expand out and so what we find ourselves doing is having or
0: or transportation infrastructure to sure to sure make those places that might be available suitable for that yeah so we've got
1: this host of challenges and what it leads to is we have to redevelop what we have yeah and we just went through this with a client right yeah so you know okay we have to redevelop the housing so taking housing that's you know older Mm -hmm. And redeveloping a a significant area to provide maybe more units or something, that could be construed as a gentrifying impact in a community. And we can't always put, you know, I think our our trend in American communities, and, you know, I know our friend Chuck who is listening knows this more than anybody, is put the new stuff on the outside. And when that fills up, put the new stuff outside of that, right? And when it fills up, put the new stuff outside of that. That's been our model. Yeah. And in places like Marietta, Ohio, we can't do that. Correct for a myriad of reasons. So we have to do it on the inside and we don't <laughs> for a number of reasons. But if yeah. we wanted to just to your, to your point, Sam, think of the sea change that that would cause. Yeah. Positive. Yes. Right. And, and negative for people who, Oh, I don't want to live in a place where there's multifamily units. I like single family detached side yards, backyard. That's what I like. Yeah. And so if that's not what we're going to be, I'm out of here, yeah. which is fine. Good. Which is fine. But you know, but I'm saying all these things have impacts, right? And there's so many. It's just very difficult to get a handle on it. But to to improve and develop, it has all these offsetting, you know, things to think about and it's very challenging. Yes. And I have no idea what the answer is. Yes.
2: Yeah. <laughs> it's a
0: government's a weird yeah. bird, right? Mm. If you were if governments if local governments were ran like a private business, the answer is unbelievably simple. But you're not. You're trying to balance, okay, how do we make space for everyone, right? In a business, yeah. they're they're good clients and they're bad clients. Yeah. We just, do, just fire the bad clients. Yeah. <laughs> <Look> <laughs> for the good <laughs> clients, right? Yeah. It's relatively hey, easy. Yeah. In in local government, you have high performing communities or subsets and you have lower performing communities and subsets, right? Mm-hmm. And the goal Right for for you and I, Brett. I know you're this way, right? We're going to provide the same level of service for everyone, right. no matter what. And that's that's the intangible that you're trying to weave into this whole discussion. Yeah. Um, Sam lives in a, you know, he's he's out there in yeah, a, in a bird, single in family. Birds, right? yeah. yeah. Um, Me and
2: my carports.
1: <laughs> you and your carports. Sam love carport manufacturer. Hit up Sam for sponsorship <laughs> opportunities. Yes, yeah. that's a
2: hot <laughs> though. I'm like. Phew. So, cement
1: your basketball hoop into your private drive that faces the street. He loves that. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good. Yeah,
2: nothing like driving down a street and there's, oh, I, I, yeah, there's a basketball hoop. That's cool. I get it. I've been there. Oh, that's cemented in. That's that's not going anywhere. All right, that's a different. Well, take. if you want to
0: jam on it, you two got to be cemented <laughs>
2: in. So, um, so, long story short, I think there's there's no there's no like there's no answer there's and this is this the definition is always evolving it's always different for per each community it's, it's, it's such a delicate balance because if you go
0: completely into one way
2: right yeah it's feasible especially
0: in smaller communities like ours as we've seen populations and overall wealth in the city yeah median family income we've seen it decrease over time drastically Sure, With yeah. a population roughly about the same, which means we're turning over people, but we're not turning over income. Yeah. So if you go ahead and as a city and you institute a, a policy like that, that might upset some of your higher performing subsets, what risk do you run? Yeah. Well, you run the risk of your, your tax rate. That's what you run. Yeah. You run the risk of saying, okay, that income isn't coming in whether it be from a business or somebody who owns a business and lives in town or operated a business, but didn't live in town. So you were getting a little bit of it and now they don't like the direction. So they, they head out of the city limits. So you lose that. Yeah. And so you're only out then now is what I need to raise taxes. So the moral dilemma, if you will, is now I'm going to raise taxes on those people that can't afford the stuff in the first place. Mm -hmm. So, I, I do think there is a balancing thought here where we've got to figure out a way that all of these things live in, in perfect harmony. And I I don't know what that answer is, but I don't I also am not convinced, right, that the answer is certainly that everybody must live together, that everybody must thou shalt have this building right next to this building or this building right next to that building. Right. It seems like that's the assumption. When we, in all of these conversations that we've had, and I'm just not sure it's that black and white. I think it's more delicate than that. And very similarly to when you did the property map, uh, where we showed all of the commercial development right. and all of the downtown development, and we proved, you proved, how downtown investment is actually on a higher yeah, uh, market value than, than what the Walmarts of the world are. Sure, yeah. You can do that exact same thing looking at residential neighborhoods. The people tell you where they want to invest their money, where they're willing to invest more money for less things. That's a higher valued place, right? They're telling, they're speaking with their dollars. So investing, I think investing across the board is probably the answer, not just saying, Oh yeah, that backyard's backed up, but that's a poor neighborhood, you know, because we've got some drainage issues. I'm not going to worry about it. Yeah. No 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 no. That's not the way this works. Yeah. Everybody gets the same level of uh what's the word I'm looking for here? Effort. Yeah. Effort, effort. Thank yeah. you. Effort from the from the government. That's that's what you can depend on. Yeah. Is that every this we will be equal in our in our effort. Yeah. And we're gonna and I think that comes to certain things like turnaround times for yeah responding to complaints or turnaround times for responding to fires or police issues or whatever there's no hang-up everybody's delivered the same amount of service i to me that's where if i were czar of everything that's that's one thing i could at least say i'm not being impartial i'm being equitable yeah
2: well that's smart growth too i mean it's observing where your weak points are where where you have opportunity and and what level of effort you put into there because that's always going to ping pong around it's in itself you know you want to invest marietta we're right this is gentrified downtown marietta is, is set in the 70s this was not a place to be and now it is right it's gone through that and you're going to have the effects of when that happens what does where does the where's the next problem front street. we're sitting on no. it that's front street saying. was
0: gentrified i mean yeah that's what i'm saying i we're, mean
2: one of the council members
0: um on, on city council when I, I purchased the building and uh it's still on there now came up and told me he goes you know this was not a the '90s. This is not a great street. Yeah, it's a fact. Yeah, and now, I mean, you look at Marietta Main Street. Like yeah. everybody wants to be here. Yeah, everybody wants to be here. So this is a is this is a a product Good. of that.
2: And the city put effort into that. I mean, that, that was through the what the bicentennial kind of started, aspect started yeah. it. I mean, to make per- permits down down on Front Street, which was Marietta's 200th birthday, which we just you, had the it, other, was, it
1: was the United States. Bicentennial, United States 76, bicentennial. Okay, seventy six. So, okay. people still bringing it up to me. Thank you. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yes.
2: All right. So United States, but it, it, but obviously that was a bicentennial. Marietta had their bicentennial not too long ago. When we just had our birthday yesterday, two thirty four yesterday. Yeah. Boom. So you know that's it's but that effort was done by the city to to and make some improvements and it carried itself out you know and and changed the fabric and landscape of of where we're at right now.
0: It's great. Yeah. Well,
1: this was a podcast.
0: This was a podcast. We did the thing. Any yeah. other uh, any other closing thoughts or just, I mean, if there are opinions, like you guys want to scratch a little bit more, um, I'm totally
1: game. I'm thinking about, and I, I like the points that Jared's making about the equity. And for me, that's the heart of what we're talking about is yeah. the discussion around equity. And it's very, it's super difficult to manage that mm-hmm. and um, it's like being a parent
0: you got two kids it, it, yes they they're wired differently they require yeah. you ca- I can't leave the same you know if you're heavy-handed with one the other one you know you completely kill their spirit you, yeah. it takes different things and at the end what in your heart I want the same thing for you it's just I have to give you different things right. in order to get you there because you're different
1: yeah and that's a good point jared um as I look at these, this issue and I think about it for our community, I'm just thinking about, you know, how can we, I'm really thinking about how, you know, how do we serve the least of us, making sure that everybody has a part in what we're doing in the community. And, and that includes people that are doing big things, building, building buildings and starting programs and doing that. And people who are struggling. Right. And I want to be able to help and and have a place for all those folks. Exactly. Like you're saying, Mm -hmm. and it's, it's a challenge, but, I think we're up to it. And so I guess my final point about this and then I'll shut up is, is this can and does happen in places like here and we can't take our eye off that ball yeah, and and just be aware that while we may feel like we're, we colloquially, we may feel like we're doing good. It may be negatively impacting somebody or, or, or causing a challenge for somebody else. And that's just, just be mindful of that. Yeah. And that's like a rule for life, I guess. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm mindful of that because you're talking about you know the investment that's going on in Harmer with a new headquarter of a or headquarters of a local locally owned gas station company with a new gas station with a restaurant and some other potential uses uh, right there, but in the same community is our abandoned elementary school right right along the river prime. So and I'm on the school board right. There's no uh, there's no plan, but do we just raise it? And then just sell the leave it up for the open market, you know, to take over the land. If we were to get rid of the land, leave the building there and let again that or how much of our involvement is actually in the potential reuse of that for our own sake, right? I mean, it, for me, it's like, well, it's our, it's ours. Mm-hmm. You know, do we are we, are we able to maximize it anymore? And if we don't, what's the best use for the community? And how does that blend in with the existing community? You know because yeah it could be it could be 5 million different things but how do we get to where we actually want that you know, what do we actually want that thing to be uh, you know zoning is involved in that a community is involved with that in terms of the actual people there the government's involved in that because right you're still you're trying to eye where these potential infill developments could be you know where the opportunities are going to be you know I've said it to you guys before about the old Kmart right if you if that we have here on the pike you know it's going to be abandoned What's, where do you begin your level of inquiry, right? In terms of, all right, if this isn't going to be a Kmart anymore, you know, do we get involved? Do we want to push it? Because if you're not going to get involved, you really don't, you can't get upset when it becomes something you don't want it to be. And that's, and, and that's, we see that in all communities is eventually we get upset about what it's actually going to be. Right. So you can't have one and not the other. So,
0: yep. I I, I Word. don't have anything yeah.
2: to add to that. That's great. <laughs> Word. Word. <laughs>
0: Um, okay. Okay. I think this was great. Yeah, it It was was good. It was, good to get back on the mic. Uh, Honestly, it was great not to have my computer screen in front of me. How about that? I I, I really like just spitballing with you guys. So, all right. If, uh, if everybody's got any comments, hit us up, support at mytownhustle.com. Uh, if you felt this was enjoyable, give us a five-star review. If not, keep that to yourself and, uh, we will see you next time.
1: Thank you for listening to My Town Hustle. We would greatly appreciate it if you would share our podcast with someone who you think would benefit greatly from it. But most importantly, subscribe and leave us a rating and review on iTunes, Spotify, or whichever platform we consume your podcasts. It would mean the world to us. Until next time, folks, thanks for listening.